Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him, a, met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This is Jesus gets out of the boat, and a man with an unclean spirit comes to him. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had often been uh, bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. I'm talking about a man who is messed up. Talking about a guy that has some serious problems. He is demon possessed. He has, uh, we could probably uh, try to psychoanalyze, or at least the world could try to psychoanalyze everything that's uh, wrong in his life. But the problem was that he was a demon possessed man. And people had tried to help him, or at least tried to fix it. Uh, by, by imprisoning him, by isolating him, by chaining him up, uh, but it didn't make things any better. But verse number 6 says, When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. I might not get any further than this today, but if a man who is demon-possessed, if a man who has been abused by society and his family could come and worship at the feet of Jesus, how much more a church on Sunday morning, a blood-bought, spirit-filled church in Glen Ferris today, how much more ought we ought to be willing to fall at the Master's feet? And Hey, you don't have a devil that's messing with you. This You're not demon-possessed this morning. You've been delivered by the blood of the I think we ought to give some worship and some praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came unto the, all the people, and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the, and the people answered him, Not a word. He said, You have a choice today. You can worship a false God, or you can worship the one true and living God. And I want to make a declaration today. I'm choosing to worship the one true and living God. I want to preach today for a little bit. Brother Stephen got me fired up Wednesday night and I haven't got over it yet. I want to preach a little bit this morning about choosing to control the atmosphere. Choosing to control the atmosphere. Let's lift our voice. Let's lift our praise unto God and pray today. God, I love you. I thank you that you have given us such a wonderful place that we can come and worship. And I thank you for your presence that you have joined us here. God, I ask you today that you will talk to us directly out of your word. That you will birth something and re- Rebirth something in individuals and in this church this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let there be an apostolic move of God and outpouring of your spirit today. In the name of Jesus, would somebody just clap your hands louder than you've clapped them at all, louder than you've clapped them any time this morning? Hallelujah! And you can be seated this morning. The book of Psalms, chapter 147, and verse number 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. 
For it is good to sing praises unto our God. It is pleasant and praise is comely. I was joking with some of the ministers this morning. I was uh, looking up this verse and I knew it had the word comely in it. Comely doesn't work when you type it into a computer. It will autocorrect to something else. I can't remember uh, what it autocorrected to. Uh, But comely is not a word that we use uh, in the 21st century. Uh, But let me reread this in 21st century. Uh, Fayette County, West Virginia talk. I don't know if you know this. I am a native of Fayette County. We live in Greenbrier County right now, but I grew up uh, on Sewell Mountain in Fayette County. So I am an expert at Fayette County dialect. Let me see if I can reread this verse. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is fitting. Praise is fitting. It's appropriate. It is the right thing to do. Never think that praise is out of order. Never think that, uh, well, just this isn't the time to praise God. It's always time to praise God. Amen. I, I'm talking about a God that's worthy to be praised. And praise is not a passive activity. Um. I'm going to try to be try to be nice and as politically correct as I can be, uh, but I, I understand that in religious society and circles today, sometimes praise just looks like this. It's just some hands lifted. I call this half mast. You know, we're we're we're, we're flying our hands half mast today, uh, and and, uh, and 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 maybe a little little weave side to side, and we enjoy the music. But I can't find that type of praise in the Bible. I find praise as being an active pastime. It is an active activity that we can be uh, involved in. Let me let me uh, let me just throw away another stereotype that. Uh, is often portrayed. Uh, Jesus, uh, we, we get this idea of Jesus on the earth. I don't know if you've ever uh, watched any documentaries or, or maybe Christian movies, uh, if there is such a thing. And they portray Jesus as always being very, very subdued and, and, and talking in a very monotone voice. And, and, and he's always just very, very peaceful. But let me read to you a verse of Scripture out of the book of Luke, chapter 10. Uh, his disciples had just returned and they were rejoicing uh, because they had healed the sick and they had uh, opened the eyes of the blind. They had cast out devils. And Jesus said to them, uh, Rejoice not uh, that you have power over the devil, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then Jesus, it says about him in uh, Luke 10, 21, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit. Jesus, somebody say Jesus rejoiced. Let me tell you what that word rejoice means. It says, uh, according to Strong's, that the word rejoice means to jump for joy, to exalt or to gush forth praise. That's my Jesus. Whenever he got to thinking about, not that the devils were cast out, but when he began to think about, hey, these guys' names are going to be written in the Lamb's book of life, he just could not contain himself any longer, and he began to leap for joy and give praise unto the king of kings. I, I think if Jesus jumped for joy, if Jesus would get on his, if Jesus, 
Hey, if Jesus got a little bit excited about praise, I think we ought to get a little excited about praise. Ah, how many are thankful that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life and you're more than half-mast excited and you're more than sway to the music excited, but you're willing to give God... Hey, I... A missionary came to our church years ago and, and he was talking about being at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. And, and we won't get into all the history of what that is, but the Jews were there and they were praying and they were worshiping God. And he said, as they were praying, they were rocking back and forth. And he asked the mission, he asked uh, one of the, uh, maybe it was a Jew that was there in Jerusalem, they said, Why are those Jews rocking back and forth as they are praying and worshiping God? And that man from that country said, Well, they don't feel like they're really praising unless they're moving you see Jesus he he got into his praise and the Bible says that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart with all of our soul and with all of our might that means that our body is involved in praise it's not just lip service and it's not just a state of mind but it's it's me I'm going to get in I'm going to worship him with all of my strength with all of my heart with all of my soul somebody shout praise is not passive it is the culture of the church. I was talking to someone after church a few days ago and, and this just really popped into my mind as we began to talk about praise and the culture of the church. Psalm 150 is a, is a great uh, example of what praise is supposed to look like. Psalm 150, I will read it in its entirety. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Do you know what that means? It means praise Him the way that He ought to be praised. Praise Him according to how good He actually is. Well, just park right there, Brother Pat. We don't need to go any further. We need to praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him according to however good He has been to you. You might as well give Him praise. I wish somebody would stand to their feet and say, you don't know like I know what He has done for me. I wish somebody who's been delivered by the blood of the Lamb would stand to their feet and say, hey, He's been better to me than He has been to you. There's nobody that has... Thank you, Brother Tim, for preaching to us today. David said, surely, goodness and mercy is going to... Hey, you've got a sure thing in your life. We ought to give praise for some surety. Ah, according to his excellent greatness. Then he says, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. He goes through all these musical instruments. Brother Pat, hey, how about I, I'll praise him on the organ a little bit. I'm turned off. That's okay. It wasn't going to sound right anyway. Praise Him with the cymbals. Praise Him with the high sounding. Praise Him with the timbrel. Praise all these things that require some skill. And and I'm so thankful. Didn't the music team do such a great job? And they're doing a fantastic job. I'm thankful for drummers. I'm thankful for for bass players and and keyboard players. I'm thankful for all that. But how many will uh, be willing to uh, sort of admit, I don't have that talent. 
How many in here is not a keyboard player, not a drum player, not a saxophone player, not a, yeah, and some, some of us wouldn't even be able to play a tambourine in key. <laughs> right? <laughs> just some of that stuff we're just not qualified to do. And I, and I am all about whenever uh, uh, there's another verse in Psalms that says, play before him skillfully. That's why we don't just let everybody play the keyboard. Because you don't want to hear me play the keyboard, and I don't want to hear you play the keyboard. (laughs) So I'm not a keyboard player. I'm not a drummer. I can beat on stuff, but I'm not a drummer. But after all of that, he says, Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. So you might not be a drummer, and you might not be a guitar player, and you might, oh, but if you've got breath in your body, you are still qualified to praise the Lord. It's the culture of the church. I know it's not the culture of religious tradition, but it is the culture of the church to give high praises to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is the culture of the church. Hey, what we sing that song, make His praises loud. Make His praises loud. I'm all about loud praise. I don't know about anybody else. He said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. See, because the enemy wants to shut your praise down, shut your praise up, and quiet your praise. Isaiah, God writes, or God tells Isaiah, when they shall say to you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto the wizards that peep and mutter. The familiar spirits and the wizards, they peep and mutter. They peep. They mutter. That's not how the children of God are. The children of God sing high praises unto our God. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, the story of blind Bartimaeus. Many of us know that, but it says that he sat beside the highway begging. And when they heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by, when he heard that, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. There's always going to be somebody in your life that wants to shut down your praise. That wants you to shut your mouth, not get... I hope you're not that person in the building this morning. I hope that you're not sitting beside somebody who wants to squelch your praise today because Bartimaeus, he didn't end up blind Bartimaeus, we call him that, but he ended up seeing Bartimaeus. Why? Because he could not be silenced. They could not shut him up, but he cried out all the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Don't let anybody silence your praise. Can I tell you that religion wants to silence your praise and the carnal people want to silence your praise and the enemy wants to silence your praise? I wish there's somebody that would stand up today then say the rocks are not going to cry out in my place the Pharisees said Jesus make them shut up Jesus said if they don't praise me something's going to praise I think somebody in the house today ought to give praise to the king praise changes the atmosphere 
My title today is Choosing to Change or Choosing to Command the Atmosphere. There they were on the top of Mount Carmel. And Elijah looks at this backslidden country and says, How long will you halt between two opinions? In other words, how long will you be uh, handicapped? How long will you be crippled by your two opinions? And their two opinions were that Baal is a God, and that Jehovah is a God. But Elijah said, no, 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 no. If you are stretched between two ideas of deity, then you are crippled, you're hampered, you're handicapped. You need to choose this day, hey, if God is God, serve Him. If Baal is God, serve Him. But the God that answers by fire, let's let Him be God. I want to preach to you today and tell you that your praise determines who you choose. It... Jesus said no man can serve two masters. Either he will serve the one and hate the other, or he'll serve the other and hate the former. Your worship and your praise will determine who sits on the throne of your life and who dominates the atmosphere around you. We will either be subject to the enemy who will tell you to be quiet, you will be, or you will be subject to pride, which causes you to preserve self rather than worship God, or you will be subject to God who gives the victory. We are such... I've already talked about the enemy who wants to, to quiet you, but let's talk about pride for just a moment. Because... Uh, if, if you still have flesh on, you probably deal with pride to some extent or another. Let me tell you, Brother Josh, when I, whenever I, I first came in the church, uh, all these crazy people. These crazy people, Brother Pat. When you first came to church, were there crazy people in the church? They were crazy. I don't know where all they, well, I don't know where they all went, but when I got here, man, they were crazy. Nuts people. I know I've told this story before, but we were in this cantata. His Christmas cantata, and it was dark in the church. And somebody was singing this slow song. Angie and I were dating at the time, and we were holding hands. And, and it was dark, and it was a slow song. And I'd never been in a Pentecostal church before in my life. And in the middle of this slow song, Sister Lively goes, she was sitting right behind us. I don't know if she still has bruises on her hand from me going. These crazy people, Brother Pat. These crazy people. But I came back. I guess that made me crazy too. I came back. And... And after a process of time, and I won't get into all that, but after a process of time, I decided I want to be a crazy person too, I guess. I want to be part of you guys. But even then, you can be self-conscious about your praise. We don't need to be self-conscious about our praise because it's not about self. We need to be God-conscious about our praise. 
because when at the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't matter if Sister Lindsay is watching me praise. It doesn't matter if Brother Josh sees me praise. It doesn't matter what Brother Ben thinks about my praise. But there is one that I am lifting up praise to. His is the only opinion that matters. His is the only joy I'm trying to bring. His is the only one I want to serve. Hey. You better set self aside, let pride fall by the wayside, and worship the one that is worthy. Let me tell you what I've no- let me tell you what I've noticed about about uh, especially about folks that have been delivered from drugs and alcohol. Because they went through that addictive process, their pride was crushed. And let's give a hand to God for Sister Lindsay. Five years. Let's give a hand to God. Aren't you thankful? Five years clean, worshiping God. But the church in Parkersburg, there's lots and lots of people that have been, their lives have been ravaged by addictions. And when they come into the house of God, Brother Pat, it is like nothing else matters. There's worship with reckless abandon. Why? Because pride has been thrown out the window long ago and there's focus on the one that really deserves the praise. Uh, there's, there's none of this polish, you know. Uh, you know what, if I, if I, I might look funny if I start to dance. I might I look strange if I shout. You know what? There's only one that's important. There's only one that I'm dancing for. There's only one that I'm leaping for. There's only one. And so, your praise will determine who sits on your throne, who sits on the throne of your life. It's either going to be the enemy who silences you, your pride that causes you to sit there, or God will sit on the throne of your life. And can I tell you that, uh, that, uh, that praise changes the atmosphere of our world? Elisha is arguably the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. We could argue about it. We won't argue. Elisha was a great prophet. Elisha was that prophet that had a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elisha, what amazes me about Elisha, Brother Pat, is Elijah did a lot of miracles. Elisha, he just, he delegated a lot of miracles. That's how powerful he was. Elisha would get a word from God and say, Hey you, go tell him such and such. Go, you just tell him go dip in the river seven times, he'll be healed. Elisha never even had to show up. That's how powerful he was. Elisha, this great man of God, was in the wilderness one day. The king of Israel and the king of Judah had gone on a war Uh, expedition and they were seven days from civilization with no water they cried uh, that they were going to they were going to all thirst to death they and their animals and and they said is there a prophet here anywhere and Elisha came on the scene and Elisha this great man of God said to these kings uh, bring me he said "I, I you know I, I, I'm, I'm powerful. He never said these words, but, but this is the idea. Elisha, he's powerful. Elisha ought to be able to... I mean, Elijah just prayed and rain fell from heaven. You would think a guy with a double portion of that, man, he could just whip up a thunderstorm like nothing. 
But Elisha said this, before I can give you a word, before any miracle is going to happen, it says in 2 Kings 3.15, he said, but now bring unto me a minstrel. In other words, before anything spiritual happens here, we need to get the praise service started. Elisha, this powerful man of God, before he could prophesy, before he could do anything, he needed some praise going on in the background. And can I tell you that if you think you're spiritual enough to live for God without praise, you are wrong. If Elisha couldn't do it, then I guarantee you we are not spiritual enough to go through life without praising God. And if you think you can come to church and not praise God, you are absolutely wrong. So Elisha, they start the music and it says that Elisha, it came to pass that when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Can I tell you that praise moves the hand of God in our life? And then it says that the word of the Lord came to Elisha and he gave them a word of prophecy and everyone was saved. Why? It started with praise. It started with praise. We need praise in our lives. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 51. And I'm, I'm going to end with this little Bible story. But it says, this, this is a story very familiar to us. But I want to show you something maybe, maybe that you haven't seen before. This is the story of David and Goliath. And David has just slung that stone. And it says, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him. And cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Verse 52. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted. Somebody say they shouted. And pursued the Philistines until thou came unto the valley, unto the gates of Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. Let me tell you a little bit about this story of David and Goliath, we, we often read the story and, and uh, the romantic in us makes us David. How many of you have ever read the story, heard it preached on, heard it in Sunday school, told the story in Sunday school, and pictured yourself as David? Nobody in the room? That's, that's, that's the point, right? I mean, we see David come up and say, I, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come unto you in the name of the Lord our God. And, and we, we're David. And, and, and even when we're seven or eight years old or very small, we, we picture ourselves. We are David. We've got that sling and we're ready to knock out that giant. And we, we talk about how you know the, the devil can't prevail against me. I've I got the name of the Lord. And we can preach all that stuff and I'm not, I'm not knocking any of that stuff. But I have another concept for you to contemplate and that is the idea that you are not David. Just think about this for a moment. If Goliath represents the devil, you didn't defeat him. Jesus defeated him. It is already done. He's already... Did we sing it this morning? The enemy has been defeated and death couldn't hold you down. 
We've got a triumphant Lord. We, I, I'm going to tell you that in the valley of Elah, slinging that stone, he was the stone that the builders rejected. Let me tell you that David represented Jesus Christ in our lives and he gave us victory. He cut Goliath's head off with the sword. The sword is the word of God. Hey, I'm going to tell you that we, ha- we have been handed the victory because Jesus has overcome the enemy. It's a done deal. But let me tell you the response of the people of Israel. When they saw that Goliath had been defeated, they shouted unto God and they pursued the... I wish some, I'm going to close. I wish somebody at Glen Ferris this morning would stand to your feet and understand that your enemy has already been defeated. But what our job is, is to just go ahead and shout and claim the victory. Hey, let me tell you what happened. It says that they arose and they shouted and they pursued the Philistines until thou come unto the valley of Ekron. The devil is a defeated foe. We need to shout him out of our church. We need to shout him out of our families. We need to shout him out of our marriage. We need to shout him out of our homes. We need to shout him unto Ekron. The word Ekron means eradication. I'm going to say that again. They shouted the Philistines all the way to Ekron, which means eradication. I wish somebody would say, I am choosing this morning to control the atmosphere in my home. I am choosing this morning to control the atmosphere in my family. I am choosing this morning to control the atmosphere in my church, and we are going to pursue the enemy all the way into eradication. 